0: About some interesting things today. I'm going to stretch you a little bit. Um, I need prayer as we do this message, and you need prayer. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us out, all right? Father, you're the best, and uh, we're just glad we're your kids. We're glad that you love us and that you've blessed us. You've empowered us. Lord, teach us today. Holy Spirit, live big in us. Help us to understand what we're saying, where we're going, and make it part of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're into a brand new series. Actually, uh, the guy who spoke last week launched it, but let me give you a context. Our series is entitled, For They Shall See, or we would say, We Shall See. Basically, it comes from Matthew uh, 4, verse 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. So that was both the conference theme, More Love, More Power, and it's going to be our theme for the next few weeks. And it focuses on prophecy. We believe that we're to be a people who see what God's doing, we share what God's doing, and we're the carriers of that voice and, and doing it. So having said that, I introduced the word prophecy. What in the world is prophecy? Well, prophecy is simply um, speaking the words and thoughts of God on his behalf, or maybe bringing insights out of heaven down to earth that we can use. That makes sense? Okay, so we want to be a people of prophecy. We'll look a little deeper into it, Uh, Next week, it's going to be very interesting. uh, My wife, Diane, is going to share the prophetic history of this church, as well as the movement called Vineyard that we're in. And uh, if you haven't seen the Jesus Revolution movie, that would be a very interesting movie to watch before next week. We'll also talk about how you can steward the prophetic gift within you, and we all have one. So it's a message for everybody. Basically, today, we want to look at the concept of prophesying through the appropriate lens, L-E-N-S, glasses, lens. We want to see things according to the lens of the new covenant. Now, I've introduced another term. And so this is getting a little bit, uh, feels like a teaching, but hang with me here. Covenants are very important. We need to understand what covenant we're living under. And I'll be surprised if some of you don't have a moment in this message where you say, wow, he's saying some things I never really thought about before. I'll define covenants, how they fit together in just a moment. But look with me at this illustration. How many of you recognize what I have put up here? Anybody ever have one of those? You're probably proud of it when it came out. Anybody still have one of those? Now let's look at the next picture. Obviously, this is what everybody wants, a sleek, new, fast, hyper-powerful, everything good and wonderful. Well, let's put them up side by side. Now, what do we do with those old ones? Anybody still use it? I hope not. If you do, come up. We'll pray for you. Uh, You're probably not moving very fast. No, we put them in the basement, the attic. We recycle them we don't use them under any circumstances. They're obsolete. You know what obsolete means? We don't use it. But it's a pretty unique definition, isn't it? I mean, everybody knows what, no, out of date, no longer in use. Okay, here's the little catchphrase. Did you know the Bible talks about some things are obsolete? Let's look together over at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, because the Bible speaks of obsolete things. Hebrews 8, by the way, is an amazing chapter. I I love it. It talks about all the wonderful things God has done for us and how we live as new believers. But it says this in verse 13, in speaking of the new covenant, he, Jesus, makes the first one, the first old covenant, obsolete. And what's becoming obsolete? And Growing old is ready to vanish away. Okay, now I've really gone to meddling because it talks about Jesus making an old covenant obsolete. There's a new covenant. Hebrews 8, 6 says the new one is better than the old one. Okay, which one are you living under? Do you know the difference? Want to have a quick quiz? Probably not. Okay, I don't like quizzes. Those of you that are still students and stuff, I didn't like him. I didn't do very well on pop quizzes. So let's define a covenant. And I'm doing all this because I want to help you understand the covenant affects how you prophesy. If you don't understand the covenant, your prophecies will be out in left field. We don't want them out in left field. Okay, a covenant simply means the way that God chooses to interact with a specific group of people at a specific time. Simple enough, isn't it? It says what God's going to do. It says what? we're going to do. Well, having said all that, there's an old covenant way that God dealt with people. There's a new covenant way. Since the cross, Jesus went to the cross. When I talk about the cross, I refer to it sometimes as the finished work, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and sending the Spirit. That whole package of things he did, that's the finished work. Since the finished work, everything is different, and God took the old covenant or old computer and made it obsolete, gave us a new computer with a new lens, and that lens has to be what we look through. If it isn't, we're missing the mark. All right? So a couple people are getting it. The rest of you, just hang on. We'll um, we'll get it as we go further. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time telling you about covenants because it affects so much of how we live and prophesy, okay? So stay with me. If we were to look a little deeper into this background, I, as I said, covenants are God's specific way of dealing with a specific group of people. Now, I'm going to make a statement that you need to memorize. You need to think about this for the rest of your life. The Old Testament, you know your Bible has an Old Testament, New Testament, are you aware of that? First part is the Old Testament. next part is the New Testament. The Old Testament does not equal the old covenant. And the New Testament does not equal the new covenant. Do you hear what I said? The Old Testament is not the same as the old covenant. And the New Testament is not the same as the new covenant. The Old Testament contains the old covenant, but it contains much more. Sometimes what we refer to as the old covenant is known as the law of The Mosaic covenant, the first covenant, I'll explain that more in detail. The New Testament, if you have a Bible, you know it starts in Matthew and goes all the way through the book of Revelation. It points to the new covenant. Jesus talks about the new covenant that Paul and the other writers write about it, how to live in it. In fact, I know why we're confused. As a young person in the Lord, I was taught that covenants and testaments were simply interchangeable the phrases are interchangeable. That's not true. You need to know the difference. And once you know the difference, it'll help you live in a unique and different way. The other problem is, I see Christians trying to live part in the old covenant, part in the new covenant, and that's disaster with a capital D. More on that as we go along. Okay. Now, I said the Old Testament contains the Old Covenant, but it also contains some other covenants. Let's look at it just for fun. If you were to look in Genesis one, two, and three, you would find Adam and Eve. They're created in wonderful, get a great start paradise. They mess up. They're in trouble. God shows up and says, "I'm going to fix your problem." Genesis three fifteen. Okay, that's a prophetic promise to them. That's a covenant. In Genesis 12 to about Genesis 30, you're introduced to Abraham. And in Genesis 12, it says, Abraham, I'm going to take you and make a great nation out of you. That's a covenant promise to Abraham. That's how God's going to deal with Abraham. By Genesis 22, Abraham takes his son up on the mountain to sacrifice him. God says, don't do it. There's a ram in the thicket. Use the ram, sacrifice him. That's where we get the word Jehovah-Jireh, God will provide, okay? But from that promise and that covenant, we find out that one of Abraham's descendants is going to become the Messiah. We know that all through the Bible. Okay, go a little further. You run into a young boy named David who grows up, kills Goliath. He becomes king. God makes a covenant with David toward the end of his life, and he says, David, I am going to have one of your descendants be the great king that rules forever, Remember that? We sing about it at Christmas. Upon his government, there'll be no end. He'll live forever. He's going to be something special. So from David's covenant, we learn there's going to be a king or a lord. And then we come to the covenant with Moses. When Moses leads the people out of Egypt, God takes him up on the mountain. Remember, gives him the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. But he gives him a lot more. And that's known as the law or the old covenant When you come into the New Testament, when it says Old Covenant, that's what it means. What Moses received is the Old Covenant, okay? So having said that, in most of the Old Testament, people lived under the Old Covenant. Because most of the book, uh, Exodus begins the Old Covenant, if you will. And so uh, most of the time, they're living under that. But toward the end of the Old Testament, something unusual begins to happen there are prophetic people in the Old Testament. One of them is named Jeremiah. He wrote 50 some chapters in your Bible. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, listen to what he begins to say. Now, this is a stunning revelation. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. That covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand and brought them out of Egypt. So we know which one it's not like. It's not like the one that Moses talks about, not like the old covenant. Here's the new one. I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel after those days. I'll put my instructions deep within them, write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness. I will never again remember their sins. Now, from our point of view, this is quoted, by the way, in Hebrews chapter 8. We sit and say, wow, that's a perfect picture of the new covenant. I don't know what poor Jeremiah thought. He couldn't have seen any of it. He just saw a little piece of of what's coming. But he did see we're going to get a new heart. That sounds good. Our sins are going to be taken care of. They won't have to do something with sacrificing lambs and uh, goats and all that other stuff. Uh, They're going to have God be with them. It sounds really intriguing, but he wouldn't have fully understood it. So how then does this new covenant so much of, how does it affect prophecy? How does it work with us? Well, several ways. First of all, through the finished work of Jesus, he brings a new operating system into the world, a new way that we're going to relate to God and God's going to relate to us. In fact, It's basically all done. Remember, he said, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. He doesn't say very much, and you have to do this. See, the new covenant is an amazing covenant. I could go into the different types of covenant. It's the very best type you could ever imagine. The new covenant starts with the finished work of Christ. Let me explain. How many of you remember the night before Jesus is crucified, what happened? He has the last supper. At the Last Supper, he has a communion service, and as he's passing the juice around or wine, whatever they're drinking, he said, this is the blood that seals the new covenant. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. So Jesus said, saying, hey, guys, tomorrow we're going to kick this thing off. We're going to start rocking, and it's going to happen. And you say, I don't know if I agree with that. Do you know that Jesus was actually a prophet born under the old covenant? Galatians 4.4 said Jesus was a prophet born under the law. Still not convinced? John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet. It says, John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived in the Old Testament. But the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. I'm thinking... You and I are greater than John the Baptist. He looked like a pretty important character to me. Why? Because we're in the kingdom. We're in the new covenant. It's just—it's stunning to to see what the Bible actually says. The this new covenant just changes everything in God's way He relates to us. It, it He wiped out our sins. He forgave us. He made us righteous. He calls us saints, not sinners anymore. For those of you who were tracking when I talked about the covenants, do you know what came out of the new covenant being introduced? Abraham's covenant was fulfilled. We now have a Messiah. David's covenant was fulfilled. We now have a king. The Mosaic covenant was fulfilled because Jesus fulfilled it. And then he said, we don't need this one anymore. I'm going to give you a new one. See, God dealt with the Israelites through the Mosaic covenant. He deals with the believers through the new covenant. When you understand that, you can prophesy differently. See, we're new creations. We're actually living in a new age already. Here's the secret of the kingdom that most people miss. Everybody thinks something good's coming someday. But what surprised the Jews and what surprises us yet today, the good things we dream of out here have actually invaded our time, and we begin to live in them today. We're not waiting for the future. We're inhabitants of the future. We're living in the future. We're advertisements of the future. Wherever we go, people say, wow, that bunch down there, they're futurites. I better learn to live like them. See, we we really get the wrong idea of Christianity. Sitting in my nose, but how many of you used to think Christianity was go to church, behave. If you're married, stay married, serve in Sunday school, give a little, And don't get in trouble. I hope you do all those things. But that isn't what Jesus died for. He died for a family that could begin to start doing what he was doing here on earth and keep doing it. And he called us Christians, which means little Christ-like ones. See, once I reframe what our job assignment is, we suddenly have a different perception on what life ought to be like. It isn't to be the nicest guy in the neighborhood. It's to represent the king. Now, doing so, I bet you will be the nicest guy. But if you don't get your priorities right, you'll end up in the ditch. And so most of us are in the ditch half the time anyhow. But again, so you see what I'm saying? It's like a, a whole computer upgrade. We had one that's obsolete. We now have a new one with bells and whistles. And he keeps upgrading us, our mind, all the time. Now, let me just, before I talk about prophecy, let me give you just a little bit more. The new covenant is the framework in which God relates to us. This is what he's going to do. So having said that, did you know the new covenants between the father and the son? See, I bet you thought it was between God and you. You would mess it up. So would I. So the father made it with somebody who wouldn't mess it up. He made it with his son. Well, then what's it got to do with me? Glad you asked. You know all those little in Christ phrases in your Bible or union in your more modern translations? You're in Christ. We live, we move, we have our being in him. Everything he gets, we get. We're joint heirs. That's the best word in the universe. You want to be a joint heir with a rich person, I guarantee you. I don't know much about law, but you want to be a joint heir with a rich person. He's the richest there ever was. You got it? Okay. So having said that, you want to be, by the way, union is a delicious word. Christ in you and you in Christ. He goes everywhere you go. He wants to live his life and expand his kingdom through you. Oh boy. It gets good. If you don't know about union, get Diane's book, Wrecked for God. It'll change your life. I'm just telling you, some of you don't want to be changed, but read it anyhow. Okay. Every night and then I hear people say this dumb statement. I've said it, so I'm pointing to me, too. You never know what God's going to do. You said that. Well, actually, that's not true because he wrote a covenant and told us what he's going to do. So we ought to at least change our language to line up with his. See, he's the smartest guy who ever walked, and I'm telling you, Just figure out what he said and say the same thing. You look really, really smart. Okay, I'm really, I'm going to meddle a little bit. And um, by the way, when he got rid of the moral or, or the old covenant, Jesus fulfills the old covenant, but that means we don't have any moral or civil or ceremonial. We don't sacrifice. We don't have priestly duties. And this is way bigger topic, but we're not even under the moral law of the old covenant anymore. The old covenant was thrown out. Now, we learn a lot. That's what God's like, so don't run out and violate them. It's crazy, but we're not under laws. Why? Because he wrote the laws on our heart. He lives in us and telling us right from wrong. See, it's a, it's a relationship. It's not a list of rules anymore, and it, it's way deeper than I'm taking it, so don't run off and go to seed uh, on something you think I said. I probably didn't say it. Um, But in John 13, 34, and 35, he replaces the great command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He replaces it with a new command. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus said, I give you a new command. I mean, that's what he said, right? Love one another just as I've loved you. Oh, he goes on says a few more words, roughly the same thing. See, have you ever tried to live the great command? I want you for the next five seconds, love the Lord and God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Hmm, I didn't see anything. It, you, you can't do it, but you can, after you receive his love, love like he loved. First John four ten. you never chose to love God. It said, because he loved you, you can love him. See, we weren't looking for God. He put his love our way. And suddenly we began to love him. It draws us to him. Okay. Having said all that, we have a new framework. We have a new lens. How does this affect prophecy? Okay. Huge implications. Old Testament prophecies out the window. We're all new covenant prophecy. Okay. Uh, Prophets. Now, the Old Testament guys looked forward to the cross. They saw dimly, but all their prophecies were future-oriented, in a sense, looking at the king and the kingdom coming. Um, they saw things, but they only saw it partly. Like David, who the, the guy who said was king, in the Psalms one time, he writes, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. He saw that, but he didn't understand it, I'm sure. You know, when Isaiah, in Isaiah, um, when, when he prophesies a virgin will conceive, do you think he fully understood what that meant? Doubt it. How about Isaiah 53, the great chapter on the crucifixion? How in the world does this great king who will live forever die as a suffering servant? We see it. They didn't didn't see it. Or Jeremiah, as I said, probably didn't understand it. There were very few prophets among them in those days. Very few. Here, there'd be one. Very high requirements. Their themes were judgment, uh, very foreboding, condemning, you know, like, uh, smash their teeth out. You're going to get captured and go into captivity. Just not very good. Sin was the big issue. God was always on them about their sins. So, okay. Here's a story from about 35 years ago. This really happened. You can't believe it when I tell it to you. But about 35 years ago, there was another church in town, a group of people, some men in it, were really Old Testament oriented in their prophecy. God hates you. God's mad at you. You're a bunch of sluggards, on and on. They were going from church to church. This is the honest truth. They would put a man at each exit, and they would block the exit and then begin shouting prophetic curses at the people in the church. Like, you're a bunch of uh, worthless sinners. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants anything to do with you, on and on. That wasn't even Old Testament prophecy. That was just being weird, okay? <laughs> but here's the, here's, the, here's the part you probably won't believe, I heard they were going from church to church. They'd been to about five churches. I heard the vineyard was on the line, on the list. So I told our people one Sunday, I said, hey, there's going to be some people come to disrupt us, and they're going to shout bad things. But I'm not going to let it happen, but I didn't know what I was going to do. I saw them walk in one day. I knew the guys, they were wearing suits, and vineyard folks don't wear suits and sit in a group. (laughs) I, I went up during the worship. I took the microphone from the worship. I said, listen, folks, the group I warned you about has come. I want you men to rise up and throw that bunch of people there, five guys, throw them out right now. The men all jumped up. It was amazing. I never had such powerful leadership in my life. The men all jumped up, grabbed those guys, threw them out, and on the way, they were cursing us. And one guy claps his hand over and said, you be quiet. You don't talk that way in here. Threw him out on some rocks. Uh, We had gravel driveway. The guy said, that's no way to treat a believer. The guy looks down at me, big hulking guy, he says, listen, son, I was a biker till last week and I got saved. You should be thankful that I'm saved. <laughs> we, we never saw those guys again, but it's no wonder people don't believe in prophecy. Those guys, some of them got fined and some of them went to jail time and it was, it was, it was awful, but that kind of stuff is what people think of when they think of prophecy. People call down hellfire and brimstone. So let's go over to the new covenant and see how it changes. Well, we get to speak because the cross was a wonderful, smashing success. It changed everything. And we we still don't see everything 100%. But we see things better than we used to see things. We understand some things. And 1 Corinthians 14:1 changes the whole game. Listen to what it says. It says, let your love be your high, let love be your highest goal. But you should desire spiritual abilities, that the, the abilities the Spirit gives, us, especially the ability to prophesy. Some translations say, be passionate, be enthusiastic. Who's he talking to? Everybody. We're to be a prophetic people. That's just supposed to flow out of us. Acts 2, the spirit was poured out on all men and women. There's no such thing. You know, this thing about women being quiet in church, that means you can't prophesy in church. Well, throw that out. No, you can prophesy in church, okay? It's it's all part of it. it's part of the reality. You see, it's a community focus. Remember, it was individual focus in the old covenant. In the new covenant, it's all of us as a prophetic people. Let me say something. The church always has been and always will be the single solution to God's problems on planet, or the not God doesn't have problems. The problems God's wanting us to resolve on planet Earth. See, there's wonderful Christian organizations out there, but there's one thing. The church is God's chosen vessel. I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't stand against her. See, we are loaded with gifts and fruit and the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of Christ. Why shouldn't we change the world we live in? We, We ought to be the most powerful people around. By extension, from what I just said, I don't believe in prophets that don't belong to a church. Now, that gets sobering because I run into prophetic people who think, oh, I don't need a church. I'm prophetic. You're nuts. As well as, <laughs> as, well as the fact I don't believe it. I don't see it. I, you know, Right now, down there in the uh, chapel, they're building prophetic community by training a group of prophetic people. My wife, the Crassas, the Hanlons. Pam White, a whole bunch of key leaders around here are training the next group of prophetic people. Now, that doesn't mean you're not prophetic. You are too, but some of them will have to lead us and help us to understand where we're headed. See, again, um, I, I just think that it is so, so important that we understand what covenant we are. In. For instance, we say our sins were forgiven. Yes, they were. Doesn't mean we can't sin again, but they were forgiven. Christ dealt with sin. So you can't prophesy, you're a sinful bunch. You don't know the new covenant. You got to know the covenant you're prophesying under, or you're not speaking for God. You're speaking out of what you read somewhere else. There's plenty of issues in the church, and people sometimes need to be, um, you know, taken aside and corrected for their lives but it's not a prophetic word, it's sense. They can't be heavy and, and gloom and doom. Did you know that heaven is still rejoicing over the come-behind victory that Christ pulled off at the, Christ, uh, at the cross? Some of you are cheering your basketball teams on. You're excited when your team comes from 15 down with two minutes left. Heaven is still roaring about it. It was a stunning turnaround. I looked All things looked bad, and all of a sudden, Christ is alive and king of the world. See, our prophecies ought to talk about the kingdom is here. It's taking territory. It ought not to be. I hope we survive till the end. I hope we're able to make it. I just hope we have enough measly little uh, goodness of God that we don't all get run out of the country. No, we're, we're the kids of the future. We're the kids of the kingdom. We, we speak of the kingdom. We need to have a different attitude. Us talking... Um, you know, before i go to that story our prophecies need to be full of encouragement edification exhortation that's 1st corinthians 14:3 earlier this week i was i had a meeting with a man who not from this church well known christian uh guy he said look i've been diagnosed with very serious illness my uh family relationships are breaking apart my business is going broke he said i it's all because uh There's so much sin, and I've just not lived up to all I should. And I looked at him, and I said, you're living in the old covenant. You need to understand the new covenant. Jesus said, I'm the healer. Jesus said, I'm the forgiver. Jesus said, I'm the one that restores broken relationship. Myself and a third person prayed with this guy for 15 minutes, talked to him about who God was, who he was. His countenance changed. Yeah, it's too early to know how much... Lasting impact had, but in 15 minutes, he began to have hope. See, we're the people of the kingdom with righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom is righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness means we're free of guilt and shame. Peace means we're at peace with God and peace with man. And joy isn't the whole world trying to have happiness and all this other crazy stuff. We have joy all the time. See. We just need a different perspective, and I hope today what I've done is, is begin to give you a different perspective that prophecy flows out of us because we have we haven't made. We're the biggest lottery winners the world has ever seen, all right? It's going to cost the billions to take care of me throughout eternity. I don't know about you. I have some pretty high expectations. All right, I, my time's up. I need to wrap this up, so let me just say this. We need to prophesy, but we need to be new covenant prophecy or people from new covenant perspective. Jesus has already done it all. It's been a wonderful ride. We we are to be a prophetic people, speaking his word, bringing heaven to earth, changing situations. I, I don't have any more to do other than say, get a lens of the new covenant. Realize you're in the new covenant. The old covenant isn't for you anymore. It's been made obsolete Learn what God did for you because he relates to you based on new covenant principles and you relate back in turn based on what he said about you. It's stunning. It's beautiful. It's good. But it's going to take a while for all this to sink in. Remember, the New Testament and new covenant are different. The Old Testament and old covenant are different. We live under the new covenant and the old covenant has been made obsolete. We're to be a prophetic people. what more can I say? go for it with the grace of God. Amen Amen.